So yeah, we're continuing in our Thrive series, which is really cool. This is something I'm really excited about, because I believe that the church really needs to hit this topic and hit it well. How we deal with mental health, how we deal with struggles, and how do we thrive in this world when it's so hard. And we had an awesome sermon last week from Craig on anxiety. Um, we talked about what anxiety was and ways to deal and cope with it. So continuing on from that um, sermon, I'm going to talk about self-worth um, and building a strong identity for hard times. So self-worth is pretty important. If you didn't know, I'm studying counselling right now, and a big thing we talk about in counselling is identity and the way you view yourself and trying to strengthen that. Why it's, is it important? Well... When you go through hard times, if you have a strong identity, you have uh, you have more ability to um, come through it and see the other side. It's not a promise. It's not a law. But generally speaking, if you know who you are and you have a strong sense of self and identity, you have a strong sense of self-worth, when times get hard, you're able to withstand them you know, you've got stronger footing to stand on. So one part of my counselling course and a big part of today's um, medical realm, we walk... Oh, no, I'm jumping here. I'm going to go here. You know, big part of our um, mental health system now within um, counselling, psychology helping people that are going through things, is this wonderful model that is set up by a guy named Mason Drury called Te Whare Tapawha. And so Whare and Māori, who knows what that word means? House. Yeah, home. So everybody has a house. And it's made up of five here, different parts. So down the bottom you have your whenua, your land and your roots, where your house is built, what your life your roots go into. Um, and so it looks at like your whakapapa, um, your attachment to the place that you live, um, yeah, and where you build that house. Um, you then have your te taha tina, poor pronunciation then, tina, which is physical, um, so your physical style. So it's your health. So, who can I pick on? I better not pick on anyone. No. <sighs> Maybe you're starting to get old in life and your body, <laughs> dare I say it, your body starts to slow down. <laughs> and it doesn't work the same way. Right? You might start to put on weight in certain areas. Certain parts might just start to fail you, like your eyes or your hearing. And that can become depressing. That can become sad because you're going, oh, I'm not able to do the things I used to be able to do. All right? So it's your physical side. Then there's te taha wairua, which is your spiritual side, which is really important. And you would all say that since you're sitting here in church. I'm sure you all understand the importance of spiritual health. But 
So you're wairua. So um, if you're struggling to connect spiritually with God, if there's things that are um, not quite clicking with you, you know, if there's a problem that arises within your spiritual health, that can affect your whole fari. Your ti taha hini raro naro. I'm having all trouble today. Your mental and emotional health. So your brain. So that's when we're actually talking about things like anxiety, depression. Um, yeah. All the wide range of mental illnesses that are out there. Um, when that starts to have an issue or a problem, I mean, it's not good for your house. And then te taha whānau, your family. When there's a disruption within your family and your whānau. So maybe you fall out with a brother, um, there could be a death in your family. That could put stre- stress on your house. All right? So yeah, house, it's got a foundation to the whenua. You've got your four walls, or two walls and a roof. If any one of those starts to fail on your house, like your roof starts to leak, that's going to affect your walls, go into your foundation. If your foundation isn't strong, that's going to cause problems in your house. If your walls aren't strong, that's going to cause problems in your house. And once one of them starts to go, all of them start to go. Let's make it simple. Um, You're feeling depressed. So you stop eating healthy. That's your physical starting to fall apart. Um, You stop going to church. That's your spiritual starting to fall apart. Um, You stop visiting with your family. You disconnect from your family. One small part can start to infect and break down the rest of your house. So what is important to do is to build your walls strong, all right, Um, so that you have a strong life. Yeah, put it that way. So the type of counselling that I focus on and am becoming a student of is called narrative therapy. And I do this because I have a strong connection to it through a Christian lens, all right? So this quick quote I've put up here, our lives are made up of these different events. These events become stories or narratives in which we build our identity, the way we see ourselves. So I don't know. But say you... um, Oh, sorry. We all have these narratives and stories in our lives, and these narratives and stories are what help build a strong house. So maybe you're a good rugby player, right? And you have a great season, you score a whole pile of tries, you make all your tackles, your coach is impressed, you have really good games. That starts to build a narrative within your life that you're a strong rugby player, which helps feed into your physical, your family, and all these different things, all right? Or the opposite might be, you're driving your car, and you crash. Okay. Then a couple of months later, you get a speeding ticket. Then a couple of months later, you scratch it, reversing out of a car park. 
all these stories can start to build up a narrative in your life that you're a bad car driver. All right? All right? Now, I'm not going to hit on all these points today. I'm only going to focus on the wider. So let's make it to the spiritual. All right? You are struggling financially. You can't afford to put fuel in your car. So that means that you can't come to church on Sunday. So you start watching church on a podcast. But then you have to start working on Sundays. So you can't even do that anymore. These sorts of incidents can make it so that maybe you start to feel bad about your spirituality, start to feel guilty, and it starts to implode on itself and fall apart. So do you understand what I'm saying here? These different events in your life can either build narratives to help strengthen your fuddy or weaken it. All right? And for a lot of us, what weakens our spiritual fuddy um, are real simple things. And it can be sin. It can be, yeah, just lots of stuff. Anyway, I'm getting lost in myself, talking too much. So this is why I came to Psalm 139. This is why I got Halle to read it, which I think I could have just got her to preach a sermon because she was doing a great job at exegeting the text there and connecting it to our lives. But Psalm 139, it speaks a lot to me um, because of how it's written and the ideas that are present within the text. So what I've done is I've broken the text up into three sections. The first section being verses 1 to 6. So I'll read them again for you. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. And are acquitted, acquainted sorry, with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is, one, is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. So the point I've made there is God has a full knowledge of our lives. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows your deepest thoughts. He knows everything about you. He searches you. Nothing is hidden. God knows who you are. Nothing we do can ever be hidden from him. So he knows all of our problems. He knows all of our issues. He knows all of our weaknesses. And he knows all of our strengths. That is our God. He's amazing. He knows it. And as I say this, you know it. And I'm sure you're able to go through and search your own heart. And I'm sure there's things that you'll rack up that are not good. And I'm sure you could fill a book with all the things that are not good about yourself. But God fully knows them. And he also knows the list of things that are good, the things that are wonderful 
in you. Okay? The next section, verse 7 to 12. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. That is amazing. So even, oh, not even, God knows where we're at. There's no hiding from him. There's nowhere that we could ever run that would be out of the grasp of God. He is with us. We can't escape his presence. And when we think about within the spiritual side, it's important to know that he is always with us, even in the dark times, the hard times. So we cannot escape his presence. The second, or third section, sorry, just did the second one, third section, 13 to 18. And if you notice, I'm not going through the whole psalm here, but just to free that I wanted to. <laughs> For you were formed in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul, it is very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I, when I was being made in secret, in, intricately, you get that word, <laughs> intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Before we even walked this earth, God knew who we were going to be and still loved us. That's powerful, man. When we put all of our problems down on a piece of paper and we put all our issues, all the hard things in our life, we put everything on a piece of paper, God knew them. The hard stuff, the really hard stuff, God knew that. And he still created us. And that might be bittersweet sometimes because there's some really hard stuff that we could put on that piece of paper and God still allowed that to happen. And we weren't, we live in a fallen world where we are not perfect. But within all that, within all this, God still chose to make us and he delights in us. 
and he has. I just love verse 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast are some of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. And to think before we even walked, God had these wonderful thoughts of us and this wonderful plan for us. It just blows my mind. Right. So as I sat and I mailed over this this week and I opened up my study books, I turned to St. Augustine, August, Augustine from a hippo. It's a place, not the animal. It's not from a hippo. Um, and in his commentary on this verse, he made a really interesting link. Well, from these verses, from the psalm. He linked this across to the prodigal son. So I'm going to tell the story of the prodigal son. And I want you to sit there and think, okay, what is the identity of this young man, of the prodigal son? Look at the way he reflects on himself. Through his journey, um, yeah, in life. All right? And in this story, in this journey, he comes to a pretty lowly place. And just see, I want you to, when we get to that lowly place, I just want you to see it the way he views himself. All right. So the prodigal son. So there was a man. He had two boys. And the younger of them came to his father. Sorry, Luke 15, 11, 32. Turn there if you can. And he came to the father and said, Dad, give me my share of my inheritance. Give me the money, the land, whatever. Give me my sheep, more than likely. And so the father went, okay, son, and he divided it. He split evenly between his two children, and the son was like, sweet, thank you, Dad. He then decided, all right, I've got what I want, I've got my money, got quite a good little nest egg. I want to go out into this world. And so he left home, went to the big city, and lo and behold, he wasted his money. He partied, and he spent his money on things he shouldn't. I mean, who doesn't do that? You know, you're walking through the grocery store, you buy a buy a bar of chocolate instead of vegetables. I don't know. But he goes out and he makes mistakes. Now, for him, these are pretty bad mistakes. And I just want to stop here for a moment. I don't know where you're at, but you could see a bunch of things in your life as mistakes that you're at right now going, oh, am I really being wise with my money? Am I really being the best father I can be? Am I putting enough time into my kids? Am I doing everything right as a mum? Am I doing everything right as a boss or a worker or as a brother? Whatever it could be, don't get lost just on the point of him spending his money on parties. All right? Where in your life could there be mistakes? Problems. All right? Questions. 
So he goes out, and in the Bible it says he was he squandered all his property, 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 in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to need. Wow, that, those verses seem incredibly prophetic right now, because we're just going into a recession. We're going into a hard time. We've come out of COVID, and that's added a lot of stress to life, and now we're heading into a hard time. And when hard times hit, and you've got problems, you've got issues, you've got hard things in your life, they can tend to um, grow. They can tend to become a lot harder. All right? So he went out, and he got himself hired as a pig farmer feeding the pigs, which is a pretty lonely job for a Jew, and is pretty much rock bottom. And within the, the depressed, horrible state that he was in, he had no food, so he started to eat the pig food, which is horrible. We don't ever want to see anybody eating pig food. But, and in verse 17 it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Identity. Son, treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and went to his father's house. So if you didn't pick it up there, that's what he felt about himself. He'd gone out and he'd made such a mess of, his, mess of his life, he no longer deserved to be called his father's son. He should be seen as a hired servant, which in my reading says he deserves to be a slave. He's lost a real sense of who he is. He's lost his value. I don't know. Maybe that's where you guys are. One of you. That's where you might be sitting. Where you've started to lose value within yourself. I know because I've been there and lost value in myself. I've. Um, I've been in a place where it's really hard. And when you get to that space, you know, really horrible things start to come up with inside you. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. That might be where you're at in a few weeks' time or in a year's time, whenever. Because I'll say this. Mental health can attack, well, can be present in anybody's life at any moment. There is no um, two ways about it. You can just, all of a sudden, due to circumstances around you, due to different things, um, have a, a mental health arise, issue arise, mental health break arise. Um, 
and you might end up where you've got all these things going on around you, all these problems, and not know how to deal with them. And within that, you start to lose value of who you are and of yourself, and it can become utterly destroying. But back to the story. He returns home. And as he's walking down the road and he starts to get close to the village, his father sees him. And his father, he he stands up and he runs down to embrace him and he kisses him and said to his son, and his son, sorry, and his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. So his father, when he failed to recognize of himself his own value, his father recognizes his son's value, still seeing value and worth in him. Now, I want to make it clear. What you're going through or what you could be going through might not be sin. Right? It might be purely purely a mental health issue. It might be a whole pile of things. The point I'm making within this story and what I want to point out in this story is that there's a problem within this child's life where he has lost value within himself. And he's got to the point of feeling no worth and he returns to his father and his father automatically sees value and worth in him. He witnesses to him what he is actually worth. And this is one of the most amazing and powerful things. Because his father takes him by his hand and starts to journey with him, you would hope. I don't know because I'm now reading into it a little bit, but starts to restore that son's value. And it comes as simply as putting a ring on, a robe, and and killing a big calf and having a party because his son's returned. All right? And this is the amazing thing. And tying it back to Psalm 139. This is how God sees us. And when we come to Him within our problems, within our issues, even when we feel no value in who we are anymore. He clothes us in a robe. He puts a ring on our finger and he kills a fatted calf for us to celebrate. So when we look at, and I'm going to go all the way back. Oh, too far. This model, and we look at the narratives and the events in our lives that build us, that can either build or tear us down, we can look and read Psalm 139 as a way of reminding us of who we are. Who we are in God. How He builds us up. 
You see, God loves us, absolutely, amazingly loves us. He cares for us. He's hemmed us in before and after. He knows everything we do. And he still loves us. So I'm going to make it real clear to you, because I've gone all around today, I feel like, and I've jumped a whole pile of content on your brains. But what I wanted to get to was this point. When negative stories weigh you down, be reminded that you have been created by God who doesn't see you for your shortcomings, but rather as a beloved child. All right? He doesn't see you for your problems, your issues, the things that just seem to weigh you down. He sees so much more of you. Now, I've talked a little bit about a lot of stuff that needs to probably be, if you're really struggling, more deeply unpacked. So I think a good step forward at the end of the service, if something has sort of spoken to you today and you're going, actually, no, I am in a problem right now. I am struggling with something, and it could be mental health, it could be finances, it could be anything, reach out to someone that you can speak to. Reach out to maybe one of the elders, reach out to a close friend that you know, that you can actually share and open up and talk to. Um, because I pointed only to one point, the spiritual side of our lives. And there's still a number of other things, like our mind, our mental health, all those things that we need to have strengthened. And the best way to strengthen them is to, to live in a village like Agora and to rely on each other. Okay? So I just want to yeah, really challenge you. If you feel like there is a problem or there's something that's happening in your life right now. Step forward. Seek help. Seek one of the elders and we can start praying for you um, and help work through these problems with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that um, as we go out this week, as we as we continue to journey through this year and we struggle and we lose sight of who we are, might we be reminded of how you view us, Lord, of how you see us. But you don't see us within our weakness, but you see us as a beloved child that might make mistakes that might have horrible situations going around going on around them lord that you still see us as your child loved and cared for we ask this all in your mighty and precious name amen